Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and this pod must die. Today, Barry's here to kick off the next chapter of Grace in a sermon about self-giving love. But before we think of others as better than ourselves, now that they've given up their divine privileges and humbled themselves, let's welcome in our favorite citizens of heaven, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Which uh, How are divine? You guys doing? Which divine privileges did you give up, Marin? <laughs> You know, just always what we gotta do, right? It's better than myself. That's what we gotta do. <laughs> That's what we gotta do. That's right. Agreeing wholeheartedly. Oh. Uh, How are you guys? It's good to see you. I'm good. I feel like I was just thinking this right as the intro was firing off. I was like, I see Marin now more than I did before COVID. How? Because she's on my TV like three times a week and <laughs> three times a week, <laughs> and we're doing this. I mean, I used to see you once a week, once a week. podcast. That's it. I didn't yeah. go to Fisher's that often, but now I'm, you're you're on my TV all That's the time. Funny, I feel like I I definitely don't feel the same about <laughs> you. <right. laughs> I don't see you ever unless it yeah. is once a week on my screen. So that's funny. Yeah, uh, guys. Hey, it's been a couple weeks. We took last week off yeah. unexpectedly. It just didn't feel right. It was Dave's last uh, sermon. I didn't want right. to talk about his last sermon without him here. Right. And, so. we, were, and we were going to make him come in after like officially yeah. being done. And it's like, oh yeah, one more thing. The most important. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, How awesome was that though? Since we did not talk about that, I just... Best best weekend ever oh oh yeah it was the best weekend ever it really was it was so special and i can say as a just purely as a son it was exactly what i had hoped for for my dad and my mom um like all the surprises throughout the weekend were so great i don't know folks if you know listeners friends of the pod but um at the 11 o'clock service first of all the other two services we had pre-recorded worship just like if you're watching online you see the the worship set uh but then at 11 the surprise was that the whole worship team came and actually did the entire set live for those of us who were in the room and it was really special and dad was completely surprised and and yeah it was great and i the, forget that look on his face when we walked from behind the curtain into the stage <laughs> he was like both surprised and maybe even confused like why are you here he's like what's but going how? on yeah yeah, yeah. do you guys know awesome. about this what's happening awesome <laughs> it was cool and the parade afterwards was a complete surprise to them as well and um man it was just that was so cool it was so yeah. cool and and i think it was a very um i'd say it was a very healing thing for my mom to see just how much love and support there was because these last few years i mean <laughs> the last whatever 29 years but especially recently has, has just been um it's been a heavy and it's felt a little bit like there hasn't been nearly as much support maybe for my dad that, that's kind of how they've perceived it but then all of a sudden it was like wow here are a ton of people who showed up with signs and uh, you know decorated their cars and they're cheering and it was just like wow people really do love love them and yeah yeah. i mean of course they do but it's not necessarily how it felt so i'm really really grateful for that i can imagine being the spouse whether you're husband or wife of a pastor especially for like 40 years it's like yeah whether people are like whether there's outpouring of support all the time or not like i've only been in ministry for seven years and i feel like i need a nap (laughs) i can't imagine how your mom feels yeah right now uh so uh, yeah i I don't blame the thing the thing she kept saying during the parade all she could think about was JFK. Yeah, yeah, because it was, <laughs> if you didn't see it, the, the part of the surprise was Chris Shore, our executive pastor, his dad collects like vintage cars and has had this 1960s white convertible that that he, yeah. Chris drove around and my parents sat up on the back of it, which mom, yeah, she she couldn't shake the image of, of, of JFK being assassinated, but oh well. It's like the first words out on the Facebook live is I feel like JFK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, so what happened after, can you, can you tell us, did they just go home and eat sandwiches? Like what happens <laughs> after the retirement parade? sandwiches? Yeah. They, I mean, we had a, a bonfire over at their house, you know, that, uh, 
my sister and her husband and little Henry are staying with my parents now. So, uh, they were there. And then the Wilburns, the Wilburn family, uh, that's been kind of, we've kind of adopted this other family into our family. And so they came over as well. And we all just sat around somewhat distance at a fire and, uh, mm-hmm. talked and just had a, had a great time. And so it was, yeah. it was a sweet kind of just chance to take a breath. And, uh, yeah. and now dad is just my dad. It's really funny. Like he came over today and helped paint, helped oh. Olivia painting the outside of the house like he's as, bored as my dad there were a couple things where oh, we were talking goodness. and he was like I'm gonna I'm gonna call somebody and I was like nope you can't that's not you can't do that now that's not your job anymore <laughs> that's I had, awesome. to, had to remind him sorry dad that's uh, awesome awesome get out anyway, it's good so yeah so last time I saw you guys uh the the coronavirus is still here and amidst coronavirus, we've got protests across yeah. the country. Uh, how are you guys doing? What's what's going on? Um, you guys <laughs> both did the prayer gathering last week, so if you haven't watched that, you can watch rewatch that on Facebook. Yeah. Where Mary, you guys both participated in that, but mm-hmm. it's been it's been what a week, two weeks, a week two. and a half since since the protest started. I think um, two weeks now. Yeah, or it was like early two weeks ago. Yeah, so. Having gone through another weekend of church, what like what is on your Barry? I mean, you brought you brought the thunder and lightning this this weekend with your sermon, uh, kind of on this topic. We'll get to that in a little bit. But <laughs> how I, don't are you guys, about, I don't know about that. But I thanks. How are you guys processing um, the world right now, Marin? Do you want to go first? How am I processing the world? Well, all right. So here's why I'm asking. <laughs> I assume a lot of our friends of the pod are, you know, cross-viewing uh, our prayer gathering. Yeah. But maybe not. So maybe they didn't watch it. Maybe they have no idea what you guys said on the prayer gathering. Are we putting um, that on YouTube, do we know? Or is it going to stay it's there. on Facebook? It's on, it's on it's Facebook. It's on both. But it's, um, it's archived on YouTube. You can watch, oh, okay. watch it there. Yeah, that's where, that's where it always starts. But... Mm. Um, yeah. So if you if you haven't watched it, how are you? I mean, that that was a week ago too. So what yeah. what what's the most recent update? How are you guys feeling? I am. I'm feeling lots of different things all at the same time, and it's hard to like pick a feeling and run with it. Hmm. Um, pick the first feeling that comes to your mind. Uh. Um, I did share the Facebook link with my godfather, my mentor back home, and I've talked about him on this podcast yeah. before, Wardell. He is recovering from a stroke, um, but he's doing well, and we talk all the time, and so... I had asked him to pray for me going into that prayer gathering. Um, again, I know Barry, um, you and I can both speak for Ephraim as well, that it was not something that any of us took lightly. No. And it's something that um, was heavily saturated in prayer before we spoke a single word um, or recorded a note of music for that matter. Um, so anyway, I had him praying for me. So I wanted him to see um, the end result and, and how it went and, you know, he was sweet and he told me I did a good job, but he said, you know, what you needed on there that you didn't have was an older voice mm. from somebody who's been there and and walked this road for a long, long time. Mm. And Bring I, him on. I agreed with him on that. I agreed with him on that. And so I I just attach that to what you spoke to us this weekend, and I know we'll get to it later, about mm-hmm. being a multi generational and a multicultural community. Yeah. It is so important. I know it's your heart. I know it's my heart. So, yeah. Um, I don't want um, a flash in the pan heat wave of protests that will come and go. I want um, a lasting change that enriches our community. And, yeah. I, yeah. Just, I want something that will last and something that is ongoing and because of that I keep, I'm just constantly challenged every day multiple points in my day to try to try to see this from from higher up 
we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, not the podcast, on the prayer gathering last week, not getting caught in the weeds of, I can't believe she said this. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she posted this. I can't just the weeds. No, thank you. Um, (laughs) I'm having conversations even with my husband about things that we say and do on social media with my kids. Again, like just about like to what end? To what end? What is the desired end result of this post or this comment? Fill in the blank. What is the desired end result? Oh, on social media, the end is uh, we just end up with no friends. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you don't like really what I have to end. say, then unfollow because <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the end. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I'm I'm still in process, but I'm trying to help my family as they process to. Again, it sounds so cliche to be like, take it to Jesus or, you know, bring it to God. It does sound cliche, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Um, It's too easy to say and do things that are knee jerk and reactionary. And we we don't know what we don't know. So we might say something in ignorance that we just we just didn't know what we didn't know. You know, so anyway, anyway, I tend to overthink things on the best of days like when there aren't protests and wildfires and (laughs) hills burning and (laughs) I just overthink things so how am I processing the world through prayer and tons of thought and tons of prayer how about you (laughs) well I I mean my first week as senior pastor this was this was the issue like this was really heavy 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 on my heart I mean it was there were tears and and exhaustion and resolve and like I I had my own version of the emotional sort of roller coaster um I think what I struggle with or what I what I'm how I'm processing it is I I know my intention for my long-term ministry right I know that my heart as I spoke to it this weekend but my heart is for dedicating Grace Church to long-term systematic change. I want to actually see, you know, I, I want to actually change our culture. And b- by that, I mean, I want, I want to create an environment in our church where we have, uh, I mean, all kinds of diff- a diverse, you know, range of leaders and people, but specifically those in the black community. I want a black pastor. I want a black teacher, not as some sort of token to say, Hey, look at how diverse we are, but to actually, I want to learn Hmm. at the feet of leaders from the black community and, and I want them to be our leaders and our Hmm. teachers. And so, and and by doing that, I want to see an entire uh, community of people, especially white in the majority culture, learning from them as well. And watching as that begins to slowly change our perceptions and our preconceived notions. And uh, Hmm. I want, I want kids growing up at grace that don't think it's weird to be listening to a, uh, you know, a, black preacher or who don't mm-hmm. think it's weird to have a uh you know a woman pastor and all that stuff i want to move us there over the course of a generation I, i've said this before and i i know it's a little a, l- a little um simplistic but i've i kind of look at it and, and i want to say i want i want it to be the, the case at grace that whenever i am succeeded by somebody whenever whoever my successor is if that person were to be a a black woman or something like that that nobody would bat an eye like what would it take for us to get to that point as an organization and so i think for me i'm thinking in these big grand terms of okay how do we what do we give ourselves to for three decades to see the kind of change that we want at the same time i'm constantly wrestling with a sense that i'm supposed to do more right now and i think that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. are feeling that and and so I'm trying to navigate um, what can I say and do now when everybody else is making their statement on social media, like to what degree am I expected to make a big statement on social right. media knowing that there will be people who will flat out misunderstand yeah. and probably leave our church and miss out on that three decades worth of change that they could potentially be a part of and so i'm like or or is that just cowardice that i'm not willing to to take a stand now but of course i'm willing to take a stand but but that stand isn't going to be something that everyone's going to like applaud necessarily because it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel as visceral as shouting something right now. I don't know. So right. this is, here's an insight into my mind. I, I go back and forth and I wrestle with this, all, with this all the time. I want us to lead with integrity. I know Grace Church is a is a place of, I know we care a lot about justice and healing the world. So I know where we are on the spectrum of this. I just don't know like what is precisely the exact right thing for us to do at any given moment um, to, to both let people know where we stand and also to um, to not kick people out the door who aren't quite ready to grasp the nuances of what we're trying to lead them into. So, right. Uh, right. We talked about that on yeah. the, the, per, the prayer gathering that like, is there truly a seat for everyone hmm. at the table? If we can linger at the table twice this week, people that I love dearly really surprised me with some of the things that they said. People I love dearly said some stuff that made me <laughs> shake my head and go, you think what? Yeah. You, do you hear yourself? Do you, you really believe this? Hmm. And I think that, I think that many of us have experienced that with either a loved one or a neighbor or someone, someone that we think we know. And then all of a sudden, they show this other side of what they think or their ideology and it's surprising to us and we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we, we belittle them, we shut them down, we kick them out of the table. That's, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about. You don't want to do. Right. And so I appreciate that that is, as you're showing us the inside of your brain, it looks a lot like the inside of my brain where mm. I am thinking about everybody present yeah. Thinking about what they might need if they're not, you know, where I am at or not that I have arrived and you should all be where I'm at. I'm not saying right. that, but, you know, do I love the person who just said the thing? I can't believe they said, right. do I love the person? Absolutely. Is there a place for that person at my table? Absolutely. Can I separate my love for that person? Can I separate that person from their ideology? And mm. I'm asking, my, that, I'm asking myself that especially as it pertains to the household of faith. As I shared on the prayer gathering, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so it's easy for me to look at my um, friends that don't profess to be believers. I don't hold them to any kind of standard, you know, of biblical standard. They don't even believe what right. I believe. So it's, it's easy not to hold them to that. I think it's difficult when we are in the family of God. And we hold to certain ideologies that we think, well, you have to believe the way I believe because don't you read your Bible? <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> so, but, but we're all at different points on this journey. And can I, can I still love and walk and do life with and be alongside somebody who is at a different point on their journey? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking more and more and more and had a long talk with Jed about it last night. You know, the things that we have in common as believers, the things that are eternal versus, you know, the hay and the chaff and the things that are not eternal, the things that will burn. And more and more, I am desperately trying to fix my eyes on the things that are eternal. Hmm. And trying to seek the word to know what those things are. What are the things that, you know, things like love and patience, all the fruits of the spirit, things that matter, things that will matter here on earth and in eternity. Yeah. Um, that matters more than my desire to be right on social media at every, any given moment. I have a question. Uh, I love just sitting here listening um, and I don't, uh, you, you didn't share any specifics about what was said or anything like that, Marin. but do people, the things you just said, fruits of the spirit, um, eyes fixed on what's eternal. Do people, you know, and love like say, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not with that. Like what, what are they? I feel like everybody we know would be like, yeah, me too. So, cause I, the, the feedback I've gotten um, from people is like, 
I believe the same thing as you about God and Jesus and all this stuff. So what, what are we fighting about? But they're also the people that I'm like, wait a minute. You know, yeah. what did you just say to me? Like about injustice and race, like the whole. So if, if our eyes are fixed on the eternal things, uh, what, what do you if if you're making a seat at the table like are we are we do you guys feel like we ought to be listening to all of the opinions on on this stuff because i feel like justice and injustice there is a yes and no to that it seems like it to me i mean that's coming from an eight who everything in the world is like yes and no <laughs> yeah. and right and wrong but like i want i want you to have a seat at the table but i want you to listen I don't want you to come to the table if you're just going to. Yeah. Right. You know, but so I don't know if that's something that I need convicting on because I don't, I'm less prone to be like, yeah, you got a seat at this table if you, but I want you to come to the table if you're just going to sit there and eat and not say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even know if I have a a coherent question. I think I know what you're saying, Tyler, perhaps maybe I think it might it might actually lead into what I'm talking about next weekend as I talk about the second kind of big idea for what I dream of for the future of grace and it's the the humble pursuit of truth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about scripture. I'm going to talk about how we learn things. But one of my points that I'm going to try to get across is there is truth in our world, but none of us have it all. And if that's mm-hmm. if that's an operating principle for my life, then I know that the only way that I can grow in my understanding of truth is through one another and from listening and learning. Uh, And so I think, I think maybe what you're touching on Tyler is when everybody, there's another mentality, which is to say that there is truth in the world and I've got it right. Or, Or that my faith background or my culture has it. We, we've got the truth. Then it's, right. then there's not a dialogue. There's no pursuit. It's simply a de- matter of defending what right. I believe to be true. Um, so anyway, yeah. I don't know if that is the exact same thing, but that that's part of it. I think when people are like, uh, yeah, I mean, I believe in justice, but then you have a completely different interpretation of what justice means. Somebody's wrong, or maybe both people don't have a complete <laughs> grasp of the truth. But uh, you can really only have that if you have the humility to say, "Okay, I acknowledge that I have a perspective of what justice is, but I want to hear your perspective on what is what does God's justice look like from your vantage point?" And I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. We shared a scripture on the prayer gathering that talked about being quick to listen and slow to speak, and the table is a place to listen as much as it is a place to be heard that's how i see mm. my table and my gatherings there's a little old lady from the church i grew up in that is as far right as one could possibly be and i love her and i keep her on my facebook feed because i want to know how she's processing what's happening in the world and and where her mind goes now i also have another friend in the city of chicago who I think his last post said something like, burn it all to the ground. (laughs) Awkward silence. That's how broad the spectrum is when I go on Instagram or Facebook or social media of any kind. That's how broad Mm -hmm. the spectrum is. And my challenge and my passion is to think, how could I get little Mary to sit at the table with my other friend and find a path of love. What would yeah. love look like for people who believe so differently and for people who have lived such different life experiences? How could I help foster that kind of communication and that kind of listening and that kind of mutual surrender? Now, it should be known, both of these individuals are believers. Mm-hmm. They're both right. in the house of God and they, they couldn't be more far apart on the political spectrum I want to forge a path of love. And if I can use my table to do that, I will. Yeah. Hmm. Let me know how you, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Because blessed are the peacemakers. Because I've been, I've been involved or thinking about this topic 
for only seven years. And so I don't know. I don't know hardly anything, but I know more than some people. Um, like you said, everybody's at different places in their journeys. And somebody yesterday said to me, I don't know how you could think racist thoughts or whatever if we're Christian. I don't know how you could do that. If you're a Christian, I don't know how, I mean, aren't we supposed to love everybody? Mm. And I'm not even going to be able to like frame what I'm, what I want to say well here. But my response to that person was, uh, my dad was 15 years old when the civil rights act of 1968 was passed. My dad was a teenager. Like my dad's still alive. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it wasn't that long ago. No. Okay. And by the way, have you noticed churches are very much still kind of like white church, black church. Like we're still kind of going to our separate corners Mm -hmm. a little bit. And it wasn't too long ago that it was illegal to commingle and it wasn't long ago it was in my dad's lifetime that this Mm -hmm. was happening so like this is an ancient history and church is one of the institutions that people are right now are like what's going on here what are you going to do what are you going to say what are you going to you know yeah uh and it's because historically that's been a place of like yeah we don't all kind of think the same (laughs) okay just because we're christian doesn't mean we're not going to say weird stuff sometimes um and so my 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 journey has been like I don't know anything, so I'm just going to learn and tell me all the history, give me all the facts, give me yeah. all the numbers, give me all the what's going on, what's going on, um, because I think I think anybody I know who would say something weird to me about racist stuff right now would also say I'm not, but I'm not a racist. Mm. I'm not. I'm not a racist. Right. But you know, here's something and then it's incredibly weird. Um, I think the fight right now is against like the big things. It's like, right. I mean, right now it's police, you know, it's, it's law, it's, it's systems, it's some kind of social contract that a group of people don't feel like has been, um, kept. And so as Christians, my fight going back to the table, my fight isn't with the people sitting around the table because I believe in goodness and and the people sitting around the table, no matter what you believe, I believe that you, there's goodness and there's, you know, that God created that person. The fight right now is with the bigger things. And so how do you get the people around the table to attack the bigger things? Because I don't want to fight with people. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to fight with things that hurt people. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm obviously reminded as you say that of what Paul said, our flight, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities. And, and I mean, what was he talking about? But the systems Mm -hmm. that operate in our world under the, that influence everything that move behind, you know, the, the evil forces that, that pull the strings of humanity towards darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, our, our number one weapon is the word of God in prayer. It's truth. The word of God is a sword, right? It's our only offensive weapon in the whole armor of God and, and prayer. So today, um, actually, when I finish with this podcast, there's a prayer vigil being held downtown Fishers, and it's a bunch of different church leaders getting together, and I'll have to say a few words or something, but praying together. I, I don't want to minimize or discount the power of of God's people praying. What we haven't talked about so far in this podcast was how crazy Wednesday was and how, what was it, Xfinity had like yeah, a, a massive outage blackout, across the yeah. entire Midwest. And we weren't even sure we would be able to do that, that prayer gathering on Wednesday as it was. Well, as tell, it was them, tell them what happened to you. Which part of what happened to me? The the glass the glass shard that you <laughs> oh, almost swallowed. Oh yes! Oh my goodness, y'all! What? Wednesday morning, 
Well, I, I, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Again, we didn't take this lightly, and I wanted this whole event, and I wanted my words in particular just to be saturated in prayer. And so I told my husband Tuesday, every single time you think of me, <laughs> if you look at the dishes and it makes you think of me, whatever makes you think of me, <laughs> pray for me every time you think of me. I need your prayer. And we recorded uh, the weekend service on Tuesday. So I, I worked right up until about 9, 9.30. And our keyboardist, uh, her name's Ashleen, she lives downtown Indy and she was out past curfew. Hmm. So she crashed at my house. And it was cool to have a friend crashing at my house. In my, How cool that I actually have a guest bedroom. Who ever thought I would live to see the day? <laughs> I, had a, I thought you were about to say, how cool it is that I have a friend. Know, that's also very cool. <laughs> But it's so cool that I have a friend. Um, I called two of the people that I really count on for for prayer, like people who can pray and pray hard and pray effectively um, to come over to my house and have a fire, keep, keeping that social distancing, and to talk about these events that we're talking about here in the light of prayer, in the light of the kingdom, and then just to pray about it. So I, I entered Wednesday just feeling supported and fortified with prayer. So I sit down to start prepping for the prayer gathering. And I take a sip out of my trusty water bottle. It's my favorite water bottle. I never drank more water in my life. And it's because I love this water <laughs> bottle. Y'all have seen it. But the big green one? Yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah. Anyway, it's glass now right I pulled it out of the dishwasher filled it with water put my straw in it's holding water y'all but I took a sip and one swallow in I feel this shard of glass in my mouth that I was one swallow away from swallowing a shard of glass Jeez. crazy that was that was the first bit of mayhem that's how that, that could have been really bad that just teed off the day Tyler <laughs> at least you don't need at least you don't need your vocal cords or your voice for anything for important. my job no no that, no. Could, that could have been really bad yeah. that was Wednesday morning and then wow. Wednesday afternoon is when we had the massive um, internet outages yeah. across the entire Midwest it was from Illinois to Michigan to here it was just massive and at one point we had heard that there's no way they're gonna have this thing figured out by yeah. seven o'clock which was yep. when we were slated to go live. So again, I just had the people praying. Yeah. <laughs> the same people who'd gathered around my fire the night before. Pray, pray, folks. If God has given us more time to just collect our thoughts, great. To God be the glory. But if God wants this to happen tonight, mm-hmm. pray that this yeah. thing gets cleared up. And I think we had said something like, if it's not cleared up by five, we're going to have to go ahead and make yep. the call to cancel it. And it got cleared up at like 4.30. Right, <laughs> right. Just it, just within the deadline, yeah. Just and inside. the one other little little thing which didn't turn into anything was that the place where they um, run the software, which kind of manages all of the the switching of the prayer gatherings was down in, uh, it doesn't matter. It was somewhere not in Indy or not in our area, but they had a massive, like severe thunderstorm on the way. And they said, it's entirely possible. We'll lose power. And if we do, the prayer gathering just can't happen. And if there's a tornado, we will evacuate and just have to drop it. And so anyway, it's like, even that I was thinking like, even if the internet comes back, there could be a thunderstorm bearing down, trying to prevent us from doing this, but it happened. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And all that to say, you know, God's people were praying. Yeah. And what happened ended up happening. And I'm I'm going to say that that was because of prayer. Hmm. Well, Marin, I told you this. Um part of the part of my experience with this podcast has been that Marin inevitably just convicts me of stuff. <laughs> She's pastors me through my life essentially. Uh, you need to be a preacher. I said this, but uh, the things you said Wednesday night, I'm like, why are you not? I mean, I know why you're not making like YouTube videos and things like that. I know why you're not doing that, but because you don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, is he going to go there? (laughs) But you need to be, you need to, you need to speak. You need to be a preacher. 
Yeah, Marin, you you really uh, this Wednesday. I mean, you had a level of of spiritual authority behind your words, which was just incredible. I agree. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, um, I I know we're about to transition into your message, which I'm really excited about. But um, it was some it was some point within the last like two weeks, but it was before this prayer gathering um, came to my doorstep. I was praying on my front porch that God would help me to have eyes for the future because sadly, I'm not proud of this, but I feel like I've spent a great portion of energy over the last three years looking backwards. And part Mm. of that was because of just the, the trauma of what was going on with my mom back home and having moved here only to realize after the fact that those were the last few years of her life and why why would you move me here so there was so much looking backwards you know we still own that house that we bought that was five minutes away from her all of the what could have been and just as you kind of replay the story of your life and you wonder man if i would have made a different decision here how different would things be and then I always am led to like the, the gratefulness and the exponential growth that I've experienced being at Grace, the growth that my children and my husband have experienced being at Grace. So I can't deny that it was God that brought us here, but I'm just sitting on my porch saying, okay, enough looking behind me. Lord, help me to look ahead to something, mm-hmm. whether it's where you're taking Grace or whether it's the next step you have for me. Just help me to look forward and not look backwards yeah that is like my current prayer and then you led us into this message all about looking forward and Hmm. your vision for grace and it helps to just again just revive whatever was tired within me whatever was weary and worn out from again years of serving like tyler said he's been doing this for seven years and feels like he needs a nap I'm right yeah. there with you. I need a, <laughs> I need like a year long nap. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we need vision. I need vision. I need vision for what's ahead for me. I don't know. So if y'all see, you know, a gift that I have not identified in myself, I thank you <laughs> and pray for me as I look to see just what God has for me. I want it all. I want all of it. I'm not looking back. I just want what he has. Yeah. Hmm. Amen. That's cool. All right. So let's transition to your sermon where this is, is this week four or week one? What do we, what do we say? Depends on if you want to look at it all as the next chapter or if you want to look at it as the next chapter, part two sermon. We're one. Looking, hey, <laughs> Marin said it best. We're not looking behind us. We're looking at ahead. This is week four. Just four. call it four. <laughs> yeah. This is week four of the next chapter. First three, my dad looked back. Next three, yeah. I look ahead. We're looking ahead. Yeah. All right. So, Barry, you're you're preaching the next three weeks, and instead of like getting into the nitty gritty of what you talked about, like we you do every every week, I kind of want to talk about the theme. Yeah. Because this is you. You said we're going to get tired of it, and Marion and I are well beyond tired of it by now, but. <laughs> He said uh, the the theme of the sermon is self-giving love. Yeah. And um, obviously we've talked about this before at Grace Church. This is a major, um, this is a major priority for you as you shepherd us as, as, as the church. And so um, I want to talk about the themes uh, of your sermon and of the next three weeks. Uh, But can you talk to, talk to us a little bit about why, self-giving love like how how, when did that become like the thing Mm. for you you know it's a good Um, question i think okay so i was thinking back on this a little bit as i was prepping for the sermon and i put this in the app notes if anyone even looks at the app notes anymore um i put a little you do marin all right cool i'll do them for you i'll do them for you then we (laughs) now put the app notes in the uh online chat there's like a notes tab that you can just click I'm on i'm pretty it. sure you put my entire sermon there this week <laughs> what well, which is weird because yeah. i'm like i don't want everyone seeing like every word i'm gonna say that's awkward but <laughs> someone in the chat said it was very cool so i guess <laughs> i don't know um so I, 
the actual phrase self-giving love, I'm pretty positive that there was a maybe a, a one-month period a couple of years ago when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just started hearing it all the time. Like, I didn't come up with it. I heard it from uh, some some seminary books that I was reading, and one of my professors was using the phrase a lot, and then uh, I was hearing the guys on the Bible Project podcast talking about it a lot as they were talking about different aspects of understanding scripture. And I just kept, it resonated with me and I kept hearing it. And so finally I realized, yeah, this actually encapsulates what I think it's all about. And I mean like all of it. Like I think if, if we are living in a computer simulation and the goal is for all of us to attain some level of like, of, I don't know, of progress, I think the actual end result is supposed to be self-giving love. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so don't you agree, Marin? I know, I know you were wondering if we're living in a computer <laughs> <About the> simulation. simulation. <laughs> like I, I, when I look at, when I look at the life of Christ, when I look at what we are called to do and when I understand what, what the church is even meant to be based on, it all comes back to self-giving love for me. And, and then when I look at the whole sweep of scripture, when I look at the Old Testament and the, you know, all the return to Eden stuff, like ultimately, it really does feel like God is drawing all of humanity to an awakening into the kind of love that he has for us, that he wants us to demonstrate and be able to share the fruits of, which is a self-giving kind of love. And so anyway, I think that's to me, I, I kind of see it as like the point, the point of life, the universe and everything is, is self-giving love. So, um, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. And obviously I'm very, very moved by passages like Philippians two and Isaiah mm-hmm. 52, 53, um, passages that just talk about the idea that healing and hope and salvation comes through self-sacrifice and self-giving and self-denial specifically of Christ, but, but through all of us, that's the way that we heal our world is we, we stop, uh, doing, I guess, self, self building love or whatever you want to call it, like focus, self-focused love, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on ourselves, when we focus our, our attention outward beyond ourselves, that's when the world starts to heal. That's when we start to realize that we are, uh, communing with, with, the God of the universe. That's when we start partnering with him. So I don't know. That's where it all comes from for me. I I just feel like if we could all figure this out, our world would be incredible, Mm. (laughs) I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. And you said it, it, it it spans the concept of self-giving love spans across generations. Yeah. And for, you know, young to old, old to young, it also spans across cultures. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you did that because the multi-generational thing is 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 also a hard nut to crack. Yeah. Not just for church, but for culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about, you know, in the middle of coronavirus, the, the effect that that's had on older generations. Mm-hmm. And um, we've talked about how isolation has had an effect on older generations. And Tim has preached about his... Um, his experience getting older and the things that he's thinking about and things like that. And I know older generations have perspectives of millennials and yeah. Gen Z and stuff like that, that we've talked about as well. And so that's a hard nut to crack. Um, <laughs> and it's, and obviously we just talked about the, the multicultural part, part of the multicultural part of this. Mm-hmm. And so, Let's talk about let's talk about that for a minute. Why why did you feel like it was just as important to put those right next to each other mm-hmm. in your sermon? Multi generation, multicultural. Uh, I would say, it, I guess it's my understanding of what the Big C Church is meant to be. Both of those things, and, and the third one that you didn't mention is is uh, compassion as a as a outflow of self giving love. Those three things are the three points that I was kind of making mm-hmm. a community of compassion and multi generational and multicultural. To me, I think when I understand, especially reading scripture, and I look at what the church is and was, um, and then I look at our own culture and see what our deficiencies are. Um, that's when I I realize we've got to try to get back to not ancient Roman culture, but we need to get back to what the church is meant to be. And we We can do this. 
hyper-individualistic culture that our experience of spiritual family is so uh, atrophied because we don't, because it's all just about me and my relationship with Jesus and my growth and my knowledge and whatever, and my faith. We don't have that that rich network of people, especially older and younger than us, who are sharpening us and you know rebuking us and teaching us and giving us different perspectives. And so we end up just everything we think about the world is shaped only by people who are just like us. And mm-hmm. so no wonder we're all finding ourselves painted into some ideological corners or theological corners because mm-hmm. we don't have that that kind of community that I think comes naturally to some other cultures. I don't know if I was leading a church in rural Kenya that I would have to talk about being multi-generational because that is baked into some of the cultural framework that they have. But here in the U.S., it very much isn't. We idolize youth. We are hyper-individualistic. Um, we don't just idolize youth. We despise uh, the elderly in some ways. Like uh, the way that we talk and think about, you know, people who are who are older, it, it's, yeah, it, it leaves a lot to be desired from the idea of creating a holistic community where we actually grow and learn from one another. That was one of the questions I had was, where have you seen this done well? Yeah. And and you mentioned Kenya. Is that what comes to your mind when you think of... It's probably the place I've spent the most time and been able to observe in multiple areas. But I mean, frankly, a lot of places in the developing world, you see this in, in uh, Latin America. It's not just because the culture values it differently, although that's true. It's also, in some ways, it's kind of a necessity. It's, it's sort of... Uh, in I'll, I'll use Kenya as an example again, but there are no nursing homes in Kenya to, to care for elderly people. It is an expectation baked into what it means to be a son or daughter that when your parents who have spent all of their life making sure that you are raised up and given all the opportunities, (laughs) when they get to the point where they are not able to care for themselves, it is totally your responsibility to bring them into your home and, Uh, and care for them. But when you do that, guess what? It's their responsibility to, help you with your kids and help teach. And so it's not just your responsibility to raise your children. You're being, you know, so it's these, these sort of societal contracts that are baked into their, their way of doing culture. And that's not to, not to even mention the fact that family is so much broader than just mom, dad, and kids in that culture. uh, Second cousins and uncles and grandparents, cousins are they're all part of the family mm-hmm. and so i mean i when i was stayed at my host home i was called uncle like i was definitely was not related to my my kenyan host family but they the kids <laughs> called me uncle because that was their yeah. mentality where yeah. your your family is much so all that to say when i think about what church is meant to be and i really do believe spiritual family is a mm-hmm. is a a phrase that we need to really research more and think about more but when i think about that i think we've got some work to do uh, just because of the way that our culture tends to isolate us from one another, so I love. Is how there such a thing as a as an introvert in that kind of culture? That's a great <laughs> question. I think there is, but I just don't think it's. It just doesn't express itself necessarily the same way. But I, I don't know a really great answer to that. Let's ask some of our Kenyan friends, or because I'm not against that. <laughs> <laughs> but I need my alone time. And if I, you know, if I have too many spiritual family members, I can't get my time. I need Tyler time. Well, and your I, spiritual family would know you well enough to know Tyler needs his alone time right now. I mean, yeah. I know when to come knocking and when not to come knocking. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this bit of generational diversity lends itself really well to to the cultural diversity. Because right now, as you're describing the church in Kenya or whatever, there are aspects of it that remind me of my experience in the black church. My, I don't know where I would be without the voice of the elderly in my life. My grandmother, mm. my, I don't know if he'd like it if I called him elderly, but my mentor Wardell, <laughs> I don't know where I would be without their voices. Another thing I did in preparation for the Wednesday night prayer gathering was call another older pastor. I know who, um, for the longest time, it was the only uh, African-American minister in the Reformed Church of America, the RCA. And so he's been doing this racial reconciliation work for decades and decades longer than I've been doing it. And so to call on his wisdom and his expertise and his lifetime of experience means the world to me. Where would I be without his voice? It means the world to me. So 
my experience in the black church would tell me that my grandmother, she is known as Mother Grooms. You, you receive this <laughs> title of mother <laughs> when you reach a certain seasoned age of not just age, but wisdom. She is revered and respected. She is not mistreated. She is not discarded. She is reverenced as mother grooms yeah. in her church <laughs> community. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. And I value that so much. I think that that is, that is something that we can absorb from that culture um, as, we, uh, as we aspire to be a more multi-generational church. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Was that was that your so question? The, uh, yeah. This the the second part being uh, multicultural. You you kind of my my son's been into Looney Tunes. Like, there's a whole new version of Looney Tunes recently. Oh yeah, which not as good, by the way. Not I don't know if anybody's seen it, but <laughs> is it a little more PC? Like a, Are we not clobbering people? No, it's less. Anvils. It's, they're saying. No, they're definitely doing that stuff, but it's 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 just not as not as clever, not as. Funny. I heard Elmer Fudd's not going to have a gun anymore. I don't think he has a gun. Yeah, how's he going to hunt a rabbit? That's that's I'm sorry, Barry. traps. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm not sorry. It's for his own protection, we'll just, probably because we'll Bugs Bunny would routinely, you know, twist Bad his word. gun in a into a knot, yeah. and he would shoot himself. So, but uh, so he's been watching that, and I, I'm you know. Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote, they're they're often dealing with dynamite. And the the thing that I had is like you're busting, like you broke out the dynamite this this weekend and dropped <laughs> dropped a bunch of love bombs on us. Did, did I? What did I? What did yeah, I do? You, I mean, you 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 said Grace Church. We are going to be a church that stands for the oppressed, specifically. And then you went into detail about the black community right now. Um, historically grace has made statements in response to like cultural cultural movements and statements and things like that but this to me felt a little different this felt like a stake in the ground at a time where the ground like seems a little shaky Hmm. but we like it seemed like you were making a statement I mean obviously this is you, you I think you were trying to make a statement but why do you feel like right now is the perfect time to to talk like this well i think i think the world is people are just completely like looking for any kind of answers right now and there's plenty of people both sides of every political spectrum or any sort of societal issue that are going to give you plenty of answers you could you could go you can find the answer that you're looking for but i think that one of the roles of the church is to be uh, stewards of the truth. And again, I'll talk more about this this weekend, but if if we have been given a, an insight and even a participating, uh, a participating role in the love of God for humanity, where we actually get to join him in his love in action, then we should probably be very clear about where we stand, at least from like an ideological philosophical standpoint, even if I'm not saying, and here are the protest movements and the specific, uh, you know, police reforms I'm asking for. It wasn't like that. It was more just right. me saying like from a, from a purely biblical standpoint, yeah. we are going to stand with those who are oppressed and we are going to acknowledge your pain and past injustices and present injustices. And we're not going to shy away from that. And, and we're going to dedicate ourselves to making, to bringing justice into this world for the long yeah. haul, not just for right now. That was what I was trying to say. And I, I acknowledge like, look, if you're in the black community, that could very easily sound just like a lot of nice words. And, and mm-hmm. because you've probably heard a lot of words like that before. Um, yeah. but I wanted to say, this is my first message as senior pastor mm. at the very least, this is at the core of what I care about. And it's what I want to, what I want to bring into life at our church. Um, because frankly, from everything I understand about our world, from what I understand about our culture, man, I mean, this is the time for us to to move in that direction, to start seeing healing in that direction. And what a shame would it be if it wasn't the church leading the yeah. way? Like, what a shame if mm. if other voices and other movements 
had the actual spiritual authority to bring change into the world and it wasn't in the name of Jesus. Like, how could we let that happen since we are the ones who are following the the risen Christ? So, I I don't know. As always, I wish my sermons could be an hour long uh, Mm -hmm. because I would have plenty more to get into. But that, those three things, the fact that we are going to be... I don't know if you speak for the rest of us. (laughs) I speak for myself only. (laughs) I... (laughs) We're going to be, we need to be, I won't say we're going to be, because this may not work. I mean, this is a lot of, this is going to be hard, but as far as I'm concerned, we, we need to become a multi-generational church so that we can have the, the wisdom and the growth and the insight that comes from sharing across generations. We need to become multicultural, um, A, because it makes us stronger, but B, because it's where our world is going. And I want us to be ahead of the curve. I want us to be a church that represents the best of what multicultural community can be. And C, we need to be a compassionate community that actually uh, stands for and listens to one another when, when injustice is done to people in our own community. So to me, I'm like, these, these are just, this is my understanding of how to apply the ideas of church from scripture to our time and our era yeah. and our culture specifically. So that's where it was all and by the way. Well, I mean, one of the six broken places is injustice. Yeah. It's, it's the right time. In my opinion, I tried to set you up in my opinion. <laughs> it's the right time to talk about this now because um, there is injustice happening. Yeah. And um, injustice is, is not like you can't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys disagree with me. The answer to injustice is not love. It's justice. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's going to be hard. That's going to be really hard and really awkward and really uncomfortable and really, frustrating at times like but that's the work that heals injustice and so i feel like it's the right time to talk about this this way because there's a lot of injustice uh the george floyd situation is just one example of it that that was an injustice and i think everybody can agree on that hopefully yeah but healing stuff like that is not easy no but i'll here's the here's the twist though and this is the thing that makes it complicated and, and difficult when you look at the sweep of scripture and you look at the idea of justice, you see that God is a God of justice. And so mm-hmm. where there is justice, it's because God is moving. Where there is injustice, it's because uh, humans have chosen something other than God's presence, right? Yeah. And so you you get the sense like, okay, so God expects his people to be bringers of justice. But when they fail, what happens? God still brings justice, but he does it. He brings righteousness and justice through self-giving love, through his own son dying on a cross. And so I think our temptation will always be that we're going to fight justice by clever schemes, by, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the fist, by arming ourselves with you know, maybe not physical weapons, maybe weapons, but we're going to, we're going to go take it to the man. You shall not pass. But I really believe that the actual path to justice, to true justice and healing in that broken place is going to be through giving of ourselves and demonstrating an entirely new way to live. Um, It's, it's, I mean, you look at, you look at Martin Luther King Jr. And, and some of the things that he stood for, his, his path to exposing unjust laws was to break unjust laws and and then have the penalty for those breaking of those laws uh, meted out upon himself and others. By that, by by having the self giving love to accept the penalties of an unjust law, he exposed the injustice to the world, and others then were willing to take action. He didn't just go and like burn down whatever the the state house or whatever to try to force people. It wasn't violence. He was using nonviolence and active nonviolence as a way of exposing injustice in our world. So I think, I'm sorry, I'm just like preaching here, but I think our path forward, if we really want to dismantle the systems of injustice is through self-giving love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, And yeah. If you go back and watch my very first sermon, which I don't recommend because I, what I was just listen to it, I was wearing a really unfortunate hoodie. <laughs> but if you go back, oh, we saw it in one of the clips. Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you Last go, week. that was I put it in. I'm, I'm self deprecating. It was my own <laughs> my own choice. But if you go back and watch it, I tell a story in there of um, 
yeah, the whole topic was injustice. I tell the story of what happened at Romanov Orphanage in Ukraine and the way that um, healing was brought about in a very unjust place. And it, it was sparked and it was brought about not by the mission to Ukraine folks coming in and just blowing open the doors and forcing everybody to change. It came in through them consistently moving in and loving on these boys and giving up their own comfort and well-being to love on these boys. And over time, the orphanage yeah. administration was so moved by their self-giving love that they took action on their own to bring justice and to make things right. And so I look at that and those stories like that. And I think that's the way that we bring healing in our world. It's through giving of ourselves in the name Mm -hmm. of Jesus and showing people what justice looks like. Yes. Um, I could not agree more. And I think that's why I keep using this word ongoing because where were the protesters who were white that marched with Dr. King again I'll say it again had they raised their children in communities that were blended and multicultural had they raised their children in churches that were blended and multicultural those children would have grown up to take positions of political power and take positions of authority and they would have shaped our world in a different direction so protesting and making signs and saying words, it only goes so far. Yeah. A lifetime of dedication and love and relationship, lingering at the table, whatever you want to call it, it's it seems slow, but it is what is lasting. It is what endures. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast is I've been trying to just fix my eyes on the things that will endure. I'm telling you, protests they can be effective but all those cardboard signs will eventually just burn up like they will burn up what will last when the signs are gone yeah what will last when the protesters go home tyler i believe that it's love and i believe that the answer to injustice since we serve a god of justice who is love personified Hmm. i think the answer to injustice is love Well, I gotta, I gotta come sit at your table and talk more about this. <laughs> um, I, I just want to say, I am so excited. As I said, like hearing your sermon revived whatever part of me was tired, hmm. and um, I don't know, just reaffirmed my call here and that I'm in the right place. And um, my kids have been. Like like you kind of described, Barry, they've been wrestling with their their response on social media and what what should it be and what what do they want to say? What do they want to express? And I got this message from one of my kids. I don't know if they'd be mad at me if I said their name. So I only have two kids. You guys can guess. But I, I got a message from one of them that said, um, Mom, I want to do a thread. I want to post about how we shouldn't fight hatred with more hatred. And that the Bible says to love those who despise you. Hmm. And so if my teenagers are getting that and then they can sit. It's a dream. If they can sit and hear the way that you are going to hammer home this idea of yeah. self-giving love, there is no place I would rather be and raising my family than to hear that message. And it's so exciting to me to hear them already getting it at such young ages. So thank that's you. awesome. That's awesome. I well, it's, it's now she's now she's setting you up. What are you going to talk about next week? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, what am I talking? I'm talking about truth. Talk about truth. And and I'll yeah. I already talked about it a little bit. So come back. You'll hear the humble pursuit of yeah. truth, and I'll talk a little bit about my own journey and part of the way that God's shaped me is to be a huge nerd, and that has to do with. Bible stuff and cultural stuff and permaculture. So I'm a nerd. What can I say? Um, that's what I'll talk about and how that, I think in, in some sense we are all called kind of be reality nerds a little bit because it's in our knowledge and exploration of what truth is that we really discover the depths of, of, of reality. So yeah, I don't know. We'll get into it. I probably won't talk about computer simulations like I did on this podcast, but I do think about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> great look forward to that 
Um, thank you, Marin, for what you said. I'm, that means an awful lot to me. So thank you. Cool. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll talk about the three of us. Guys, it's just going to be the three of us, it feels like. For a while, unless we bring in some special while, guests. Yeah. Um, nah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll finish out the next two weeks of uh, the next chapter. Barry's given both of those sermons, and then you're kind of taking some time off, aren't you, Barry? Well, no. Then there's one more week of setting up the new series and then I'm taking time two weeks off. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do this again next week. We'll talk about self-giving love and truth and uh, look forward to that. All right, uh, what's, what's on the docket for the prayer gathering this week, Barry? Uh, we are going to continue the conversation that we started last week. We're going to keep praying about the same issues of the broken place of hatred and racism and, and injustice. Uh, and so I've got a new guest and uh, Ephraim will be leading worship, I believe with some others, which I won't get into in case it doesn't happen, but uh, I think it's going to be really, really good. And so please, please come. And this has nothing to do with anything like that. It's just fun. But on Saturday, uh, I am doing my first Twitch stream uh, playing Minecraft Dungeons and uh, it's mainly just a way for me to try to connect with kids and students at Grace so if you want to if you want to watch that 10am on Saturday the 13th gird your loins uh, twitch.tv slash Barry Rod and if you really want to watch me play video games and talk about whatever the kids want to talk about <laughs> that's, that's your that's your chance does does Jaden care about this he, is he too old too old for for yeah, Minecraft Dungeons. He's a little too old for the Minecraft thing, but I, both kids, their reaction to that graphic, that graphic was awesome. I don't know who made that. <laughs> I'm going to give a high five. That was you. I'm giving I you did. a high five for that yeah, graphic. Thank you. My goodness. That was so awesome. And the kids were like laughing when it came on screen. I think Desi was disappointed that it was on Twitch because I don't think that's something she has. Okay. That, <laughs> what does she have? Maybe I can uh, I can multi-stream for her. No, I don't know. You can. She can get it. I was confused. Is it really? I don't, yeah. You know, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> when you said like, if this makes no sense for you, then it's probably not for you. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. 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 I, count me in that. Count me in that number. Cool. Well, we'll look for that too. Uh, but until then, Marin, will you please send us out? I will. As always. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 